Welcome to the Digital Workplace Podcast. These are conversations with CEOs of digital companies, thought leaders, and solution providers about how you can become a level five digital workplace. For the show notes and transcript of this episode, go to thedigitalworkplace.com. Welcome back to the Digital Workplace Podcast. Today, our guest is Dan Jimenez. He is the president and COO of Chatbooks. Hey, Dan, how's it going today? It's going great. Thanks for having me on. Excellent. I'm excited to talk to you because you've got a great topic and a great company to walk us through as we get to this. So we're talking about paid time off and how that gets reinvented. So that's going to be great. But first, let's verify you are a real human right now. Your capture question is, would you rather live 100 years in the past or 100 years in the future? Oh, man, I love this question. This is a good one. I would have to go with 100 years in the future. That would be my choice. I think uh, I would just... Just my curiosity about what the future holds for society, I think it's probably uh, what would cause me to choose that and just know how, what improvements we, we make. I think generally I'm an optimist. And so I, I like to think that the future is going to be a lot of progress from where we are today. So I'd love to see that. I hear that. I think I would probably pick the same, mostly because like there's not a lot about 1921 that just like super jazzes me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. 100, years, 100 years ago was... Uh, pretty, you know, not too dissimilar to where we are today after Spanish flu and all of that. So hopefully yeah. from now we don't repeat it. Recovering from the first world war and all that stuff that goes on. But yeah, hundred years in the future, I have enough pessimism in me to be like, <laughs> maybe it will be horrible. And <laughs> it could be like the most depressing thing in the world to see, but uh, it could be awesome too. And hundred years in some ways, like doesn't seem that long, but the rate of change is just astronomical too. Yeah. Anyway, let's get into you in terms of what, uh, what you're going to bring to us. Tell us first about Chatbooks. Uh, what do you guys do? What's your company like? Yeah. Yeah. So Chatbooks, we are a consumer technology company. We're based here uh, just south of Salt Lake City in Utah. We uh, have a mission that's focused on strengthening families. And the way that we do that right now is through uh, creating uh, apps that make it super easy to print the photos on your phone into monthly photo books. And um, we have 180 employees-ish, uh, 180 plus or minus a few. Um, they're, uh, a lot of them are here in Utah, but uh, uh, a lot of them distributed over the uh, kind of geographical U.S. as well. And uh, within the last year, we've gone from a very um, office-centric culture to a remote-first culture. And that has been uh, a big change for us. But uh, that's, that's who we are. That's excellent. And I love that the nature of your company is to take the digital and turn it back into the physical. Because especially when it comes to pictures, it's like something that used to be so tactile and something that we would hold and look at all the time. And now they're just all crammed in our phone and it's hard to like get them out and review them as a family and talk about them. Yeah, that's exactly right. We're all about just, you know, getting the memories out of your phone and into your life, into your hands where you can enjoy them and just making it super easy and affordable to do that for for everybody and to kind of have that bookshelf backup of your family memories, uh, something that we enjoy working on. Cool. Well, let's get into your company. You said 180 people. Specifically today, we're going to be talking about paid time off. There was you know, an idea of what that meant pre-digital days, but I want you to tell us about the experiments that you've been running in your company. Yeah. So we got started back in 2014. And like many other tech startups during this era, you know, we had a time off policy, which was the, you know, quote unquote, unlimited PTO that, 
you know, you, you've probably heard about um, or worked at a place that had that. And um, I think that just comes from kind of just trying to match what you might get at another technology company just to try mm -hmm. and kind of match benefits. Because unlimited PTO sounds amazing, especially if you come from a place where it was, you know, limited and tracked PTO. And um, so, but I don't think we put a lot of thought into it either. I think that it was just, hey, blanket, unlimited PTO, untracked, you know, it's, it was just really simple um, to at least a, a low administrative burden for us, you know, uh, being a sure. small company too, you didn't want to have to put a ton of time into tracking all of that. And so then that was what we had for a few years. And um, coming into 2020, um, and then COVID hit, everybody just went home. You know, everybody's working from home and everyone's trying to figure out what the new work culture is like. And that's when we started to just kind of realize that we were running into this problem where people weren't taking any extended time off. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think there was some of that leading up to it as well into the years preceding 2020, where um, unlimited PTO sounds great in uh, kind of sounds great, but in practice is kind of hard uh, to uh, make sure that people are taking sufficient time off. And there's almost like this culture, this worry of, I don't want to be seen as taking too much time off, or if there's just not a norm and expectation set then uh, we found that there were lots of people just hardly taking any time off and that just wasn't good. Uh, yeah, I think this is a common thing you see a lot, especially in a U.S. work culture where we're not used to taking long holidays off uh, anyway. Like you, you go to some European countries and it's like, okay, it's, it's kind of standard. We're going to take a month off or this person is going to be gone for that time. But here it's like, yeah, like you said, there's that pressure of, oh, I don't want to be seen as somebody who takes excessive time off and see, someone who seems as abusing this system so then I'm not going to do anything. And then you throw COVID on top of that. And then people are a little bit nervous anyway, maybe about the job. Are we still going to be here? So I'm going to keep working extra. And then there's nowhere I can go anyway. So I'm just going to keep working. So you're sensing that's a problem, but you're not tracking time off either. So how do you know that it's a problem? Um, I started to recognize it in myself first. And, you know, working with our executive team, them pointing it out to me is like, look, Dan, you're getting burned out and you're kind of getting difficult to work with. You need to take some time <laughs> off. And I'm like, well, I can't take time off. We've got this, that, and the other, this is a crazy year, you know? And I just started to realize that I was uh, not fun to work with when I had gotten to this point where I was just getting stretched so thin and then started to realize like, man, it's been, you know, a year plus since I've taken more than, you know, a day or two off. And I think that's kind of the problem with unlimited PTO, at least in our setting was, People felt free to take an afternoon off here or a day off there, but there just wasn't a long stretch yeah. uh, where you could actually disconnect from work. And so if you can't psychologically disconnect and I think rest and relax in a meaningful way, then those little kind of, um, you know, one or two day periods here and there don't really accomplish um, what you would like for it to accomplish from like a mental health and mental wellness perspective for employees. And so... Um, so I started noticing it myself first, kind of started looking around and seeing that everybody had gone a long stretch. Now we're into August or September of 2020 and, you know, Q1's really busy. So not a lot of people took time off in Q1 and then, then, you know, COVID hit. So now we're nine months in and no one really has taken time off throughout the year. And that's when we sat back as an executive team and just had this conversation, what we were observing on our teams and realizing that what we had in place is unlimited PTO just wasn't cutting it. It was, it was not, it was actually, um, bad for our, 
you know, company's mental wellness uh, not helpful. Let me stop you just for a second because I, something hit me as you were talking about this that that's really important. We tend to lump all PTO as the same. Anytime you're not working, that's this classification that we have over here. But I love that you've kind of separated the idea of just kind of a flexible work week where, hey, you know, I got some doctor's appointments or I have to go do something with my kids, that kind of flexibility within a weekly schedule versus that really like you need time off to recharge. And we're talking days, like a minimum three or four days to actually do that. I think that itself is a a new thought, even for me to think about that thing. So that's really exciting. So tell us more about what you've done. Yeah. So, um, August, September last year, we come together, we realized there's a problem. We try to think of a solution and we thought, you know, what we would really like, what the norm we would like to maybe set as a precedence is that everyone take at least one week off or kind of five continuous business days off every quarter, kind of every three months. That's the norm we want to set. Now, you know, how do we communicate this change? And kind of one of the terms we came up with, and I I had heard it elsewhere before, I can't remember exactly where, so I'm not saying that we invented it, but we started calling it mandatory time off. So MTO Mm -hmm. instead of PTO. And mandatory time off is exactly that. It's like, hey, every quarter you need to plan as you know a member of our team one week off and you need to coordinate with your coach or your manager when that's going to be taken and then um, and then, you know, take it. And then HR is going to track to make, sh- you know, keep tally on what percentage of our employees are actually taking their MTO, not just a day or two here, but like what percentage of our team is actually taking that extended time off. And so we put that into effect in September. So Q4 of last year was kind of the first quarter. As a consumer business, we're unique in the fact that like Q4 is our busiest time of the year. And November to December is just crazy up until like the, you know, all the last orders are shipped out and received. And so we had a little bit of a, um, a, uh, a rule there where everybody takes their MTO at the same time from like Christmas until the start in January, there's a two week stretch that we call our winter break. And so it's, Hey, during Q4, it's kind of blackout period leading up to kind of the Christmas holiday when all the holiday orders have been shipped and delivered. And then we take a two week break together, but then Q1, Q2, Q3 is kind of up to you to figure out what week you want to take. And this is a minimum. This isn't a maximum. We still have kind of umbrella unlimited PTO, but mandatory time off is more about setting the expectation of the minimum length and then uh, cadence or frequency of extended time off to be taken. Cause like you said, we do think about it uh, pretty differently than just the flex work schedule that you could have for the, you know, short uh, kind of cycle things. Good. So we're talking in May of 2021 right now. So tell us how did Q1 go? Like did people do it? What was the response from it? It's interesting that you've like actually gone back to tracking it now that you didn't track it. Now you've added that back in. Yeah. So in 2020, in um, Q1 of 2020, as comparisons, the baseline, we had uh, 25% of our employees took any amount of time off in Q1 wow. of 2020. In Q1 of 2021, we had 90% of our employees take their full week MTO. So mm-hmm. not perfect, but a lot better, you know, you know, over a threefold increase in terms of, of time taken off during the quarter. Um, And it's just so crazy to think like, well, we had an unlimited policy. How could it be like only a quarter of employees are even taking time off? But I think if you were to, if if companies who had unlimited policies put in the effort to track it, I think that's what they would find that it's actually the, it's, it's just kind of a poor program. Um, So yeah, so increase from about 25% to 90% in terms of time taken off year over year for Q1. Um, And then we recently did an employee survey just 
asking how everyone feels supported in their uh, mental wellness at Chatbooks. And 93% of um, employees at Chatbooks say that they feel that um, Chatbooks like very much supports their mental wellness. And so that, I think, uh, is just kind of an indication of this policy and others that we're trying to implement to help support their their mental wellness. So that's kind of the change that we've seen. So who is like feeling this? Like, does it feel like a different company now that people are having this thing? Because I mean, it's one thing when you're in the office and you're used to seeing somebody all the time, and then for a week they're not there. Oh, they're on they're on vacation. Mm-hmm. They're doing something. But when you're fully distributed, sometimes you don't recognize that. Maybe even as a COO, you're sitting there and you don't know when everyone's taking off. Like there, there's so many different teams that are there. You don't get that feel that like, oh, the office seems a little bit emptier today or anything like that. So what's that been like? Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting observation. I actually hadn't thought about that, but I, I, you're right. I remember, you know, in times when people would take it off or sometimes it'd be like, you know, just the common week that just happens to be good for the calendar for most people. And a lot of people end up, you know, are out of the office for, you know, spring break or whatever it may be. And you're like, oh man, the office is kind of dead. Not know if I'm going to get much, you know, accomplished this week to go into a, a remote first culture. I don't, I personally don't notice, you know, as much the, the waves of people coming in or out. I just think there's planning that goes ahead of time. Coaches, you know, the term we use for our managers, you know, coaches know when they're, you know, different team members are going to be out and we can just uh, try to manage it. One thing we did notice is that um, for us and just the way that we operate with that um, kind of peak during Q4 dynamic, we actually are shifting our schedule now. Um, and when we kind of talk about like the quarters, because nobody took time off in January because you just had your winter break and and now it's like annual planning and just kind of kicking off the big initiatives for the year. And that kind of carries into to March. Plus people want to go out when it's nice weather. Mm -hmm. So this year what happened is of that, that 90% stat that I shared that 90% of people took their MTO. The vast majority of that was the last two weeks of March. Yeah, (laughs) That that was hard. It was dead. And we, we, you know, that happened and we took a step back and said, okay, can't have that happen again. There's just too many people out. And so it just was ineffective. And so we said, we should probably line up these periods that we talk about with like the seasons that people actually take vacation. So we're moving it to now that, you know, we have a spring season that's, you know, February, March, April, and then a summer season, May, June, July, and a fall season, um, August, September, October. And then like our Q4 is November, December, January with the winter break in the middle of it. So that's just an example of one little tweak that we've made to it to try and just communicate, you know, Hey, we, we don't want to have everybody out at the same time. And you can try and if you feel like, Oh, I got to get my, you know, mandatory time in, I got to do that before Q1 closes, then everybody leaves in March. I think that's really fascinating. In general, when we talk about new practices and experiments that people are running, there, there tends to be like, okay, these are the frameworks that we found that work well. But when it comes down to individual application, every company is going to be different. Like you said, because you're a consumer facing company, and especially the nature of what you're you're doing, that Q4 is going to be, you know, book solid. And even last year with all the shipping problems that were going on, I'm sure that was a big mess for you guys and wanting to make sure that everyone was kind of on hand for that. But I love that you're finding ways to continue to tweak that and continue to try to find the best way to do that. What's been any kind of, not even pushback, but any kind of criticism or things that coaches or managers are pushing back and say, hey, can we solve this problem? Like, what are they telling you? Yeah, one of the things we got was just a, you know, despite us at the very uh, beginning trying to say, hey, you know, this is kind of a minimum. I think there was still this perception, especially for new employees who weren't here 
during the change that might have been hired in the last few months. They come in and they read it and they think, okay, all I get is four weeks a year. And this is my max. And so this is my only vacation I get and the only time off that I get. And so we've had to, you know, continue to clarify that this is just a minimum. This is a norm. Like, you know, just like with any culture, any workplace culture is made up of norms and the norms are exemplified by the leadership and, you know, um, people start to pick up on that. And so as much as we try to put it in a company handbook, what you observe others doing is the norm. And so we're trying to create a norm of, you know, a week off every, you know, every quarter. So I think we've had to just clarify. So there was, you know, confusion around that. Um, having to clarify that there's no expectation of what you do with your time off. You don't, you know, obviously like you can't go to Europe right now. You can't go, you know, it's hard to take these lavish vacations, but you, um, we're not really saying that what's important is that you take a lavish vacation or go to an exotic place, but rather that you just disconnect, you know, delete Slack from your phone for a week. And we, you know, we don't want to hear from you go off and, and do whatever it is. So for one of the, you know, weeks off that I took, I just did a staycation. This was, you know, last fall and just hung out in the mountains and hung out with the kids and, and just disconnected for a little bit. And so there's, you know, really you know, no expectation from us on what you do or what you use that time. A lot of employees have, use the time to explore, you know, Utah's national parks, which, you know, we don't always take the time to go out and see and do because it's kind of a bit of a drive or folks who have just stayed at home and taken care of things here at the house or worked on their home office or whatever it may be. So that's, that's some of the things we've heard. Yeah, I love that. I think as I'm thinking about it, like the whole concept of paid time off, you know, it brings in that we had these discussions about productivity and how we need to really divorce productivity from time as much as we can. That it's not about how much time you put into something, but like what's the outcome you're able to cut, get away from that. And the whole concept of PTO is that usually we own your time and there's a little bit of time that we will let you do whatever you want to with. And so there's like this, again, I'm paying you for your time or I'm giving you some time that's a little bit extra. But really what, what you're trying to bring about is a, I mean, a new outlook on time, right? Yeah. That yeah. time is still important but we're not going to necessarily quantify it and monetize that time. Like now the time off is all about how do you recharge so you can come back and do good work and can bring it back. It's not necessarily about counting hours and, and counting days that are there. So it's kind of this, this new framework that I feel like even if people try to explain it to their parents, it would be like, you know, I don't understand. And then they start complaining about, I only get four weeks off and their parents are like, what? I don't I got two weeks off the whole life. <laughs> yeah. I can't. Yeah, I've described this one to my dad and, you know, and, and it's just, it's such a foreign concept, you know, it's to think, you know, what would our grandparents say about all the luxuries <laughs> that we enjoy in terms of work-life balance and benefits. But, um, you know, one of the points you hit on, I think is important is we, one of the primary values of our culture at Chatbooks is a term that we use grown up is just a term mm. that we apply as the number one value at Chatbooks of what we hire and hire and fire for is the grown up value. And that, we just recognize everyone's grown ups, like not just not in terms of like age, but more just kind of professional maturity. And because you're grown ups, we you know we have that trust as well. And so we're not going to micromanage your time. We're not going to micromanage your tasks. You don't have to tell us like you know, hey, I'm going to be out for thirty minutes here or there. Like it's just you have this open, strong relationship with your coach, and there's just high level of trust that you'll deliver on your work product. And so when it comes to you know time off as well, it's 
Um, the only reason that we're tracking mandatory time off is to ensure that it's being taken, not that like, oh, you're taking too much. I, I can only think of one instance in the six years that we've been at Chatbooks where we ever had to have a conversation with somebody about taking too much time off. Um, and so it's it's like, that's not what we're worried about. It's, it's, yeah. it's the opposite. I can think of dozens and dozens of examples of people who've just gotten burned out and haven't taken enough time because we just we just need everybody to bring their best, best self to work. And we think a key part of being bringing your best self is being rested and, and not um, overdone. Awesome. Walk me through some of the generational stuff that we, we just kind of touched on a little bit. Who's your oldest employee? Like how old are they? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say our oldest employees, we're a pretty young company. I'd say our oldest employees are kind of mid forties, mid late forties. And then how, what's the bottom range? Who are the youngers? Yeah. College interns. Yeah. Okay. So 18 to 22. So who struggles with this more? The Gen Xers that are like wondering about it or the millennials who have been in this for a while and are trying to create these rules or the Gen Z folks that are just coming in? Like, who do you feel like struggles with these concepts? Ah, that's a good question. I think the only struggling I see is just the struggling of still taking the time to plan and take the time off. And I would say the kind of people that shade on the older half of the average are having a harder time doing that, I think. But I, it's hard to know. I, I need. To, I haven't sliced the data by age to see if there's any type of trend that's coming out. But I think it is a bit more of a mindset shift for those of us who have spent time in our career working at places that either had, you know, um, a strict PTO or you know hardly any PTO, and you just kind of get, you know, you've been trained throughout your career about how to work that it kind of feels weird when you tr- start breaking that that habit yeah. or that norm, you know, just being comfortable with the fact of, Hey, you know, I'm going to take some more time off than I'm used to. Yeah. My gut feel says that a baby boomer would have like permanent cognitive dissonance about this idea, like forever. <laughs> they, they might learn to live with it, learn to accept it, but like it would forever be like, what is going on? I don't get this. But some, someone coming in, I feel like some of the Gen Z folks, the, the newer people that are entering the workforce are maybe also a little bit like they've never been trained for this. So there's maybe an element of like trust and do, is this for real mm-hmm. or is this not for real? And in general, I don't, I don't know that that age group has, you know, especially growing up in, in these COVID times is like, do they know how to disconnect and recharge or are they kind of this always on generation that that's always plugged into their phone and they keep all the apps up anyway. So uh, these are just assumptions for me, but I don't know if you've seen anything. No, that's, those are great great questions more for us to explore to try and see um, how the how this uh, this program is affecting people of different ages something exciting to look into cool dan what's one thing that you guys at chatbooks like what's the next thing you want to try to tackle from a digital workplace angle that you're you're gonna spend some effort trying to come up with some new ideas experiments on that's a great question. So like I, I think I said at the beginning that we transitioned from a very office centric culture to where we did not allow work from home at all. It was, we had an HQ, we had a couple of small satellite offices, but it was every day you were in an office. We had the satellite office to help minimize some of the commute, but you know, a couple of days a week you were driving down to headquarters. And so that caused a lot of, you know, just commute time for a bunch of our employees. So we went from that to Um, 100% remote because of COVID. And then as we've gone through this year, we've realized that it's actually working really well for us. And so we're 
now more of a remote first culture. We've changed offices from a big, you know, giant um, square uh, kind of 20,000 or what was 30,000 square foot office. We've kind of cut that down in half to a different place that's more in the middle. And we're calling it our clubhouse. Um, we feel like that the role that the office um, has, like its primary function going forward is more of like a social gathering space than it is for a place for everybody to come and work out of every day. And so we're just trying to work through the, I think the challenges of being remote first, but still wanting to entice people to come in, but not having the real strong, like you must come in on such and such day and you must be yeah. present at this meeting. We just don't believe that that's necessary anymore. That's so we've learned to get by and actually thrive in this setup that uh, the clubhouse is just this concept of, hey, we're going to be gathering together for fun, interaction, brainstorming. Um, but, you know, if you don't want to make the drive or if you don't feel comfortable being in that physical space with everybody else, it's not necessary. So this is the next thing that we're trying to work through. And here in Utah, the, you know, COVID restrictions are getting lifted a little bit. Um, and we're probably around the corner from reopening the office and letting people kind of come back in as they come and go as they please. And so that's the, the thing we're trying to work on next to figure out. Yeah. That's such a important and difficult thing to do is to go from a physical office headquarters to no physical office headquarters, and then try to bring back a physical location as like a feature and add on and divorce it still from its, it's like HQ pool, but still say, we still want to have the advantages of physical spaces, but not feel like people are have to be there in order to, to be part of the team. That's great. Everything, everyone's struggling with that right now. So I'm glad you're open about that. And we look forward to having you back again when you've, when you've solved that mystery for us. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you know when we've solved that the, the big Rubik's cube, everyone's trying to figure out. <laughs> cool. Well, well, Dan, where can people go if they want to learn more about chat books and, and the stuff you put out? Yep. So chatbooks.com, um, the chatbooks app, uh, you can get that on iOS and Android. Uh, is the best place to, to check us out. And um, I'm happy to connect with anyone who has questions on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at the Dan Jimenez. And so you can connect with me on Twitter if you want to chat through anything, if uh, anyone has any additional questions about how we're doing this. And yeah, that's, that's us. Fantastic. Well, thanks for being on the show. We look forward to hearing from you again. Okay. Thanks, Neil. This has been the Digital Workplace Podcast. If you liked it, please take a minute to leave a review wherever you are. Go to thedigitalworkplace.com and sign up for our twice a month newsletter. It keeps you up to date on the best ways to build a level five digital workplace. Music for the show is provided by City of Sound. I'm your host, Neil Miller. Keep moving forward.